I want to begin by thanking you for blessing my socks off last October of last year for Pastor Appreciation Month. I have enjoyed putting on a brand new pair of socks every time I have preached on a Sunday, taught on a Wednesday, and other days throughout the week for the past seven months. Paul, as we've learned, Paul, Silas, and Timothy constantly thanked God for the believers in Thessalonica. I can assure you, I have thanked God for you every time I have put on a brand new pair of socks. This morning, I am wearing my final brand new pair of socks. So there you go. These beautiful pair of socks right here, fire trucks, and I've got some pizza, I've got some pretzels, and hot dogs on these fire trucks in case any of y'all need something to carry you over to lunch. I got it for you right here on these trucks. I just want to uh, thank you so much for your blessings. After today, I will begin my greatest socks tour for the rest of the time. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I love you and am so privileged to be able to serve our great and awesome God together with you each and every week. So God be the glory for the great things he has done, is doing, and will continue to do in and through and around our church family. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We uh, are making our way into chapter 3 this morning, and as we do, we will find that Paul is continuing uh, his conversation and teaching from the end of chapter 2 as we begin chapter 3. There are times when uh, the chapter breaks in the scriptures indicate a new topic of teaching for the author. There are other times when the chapter breaks in the scriptures seem to get in the way because the author is simply continuing the conversation and teaching from the previous chapter into the current chapter. And the latter is the case for us this morning as we make our way into chapter 3. Paul reminded the believers in Thessalonica towards the end of chapter 2 as we make our way into chapter 3 that they were absent from them, but they were not forgotten by them. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were reconnecting with these believers through Paul's letter to these believers in Thessalonica. And so we see the blessing of reconnecting this morning in this passage. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17, Paul wrote, But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the believers in Thessalonica were family. They were brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And Paul 
shared some points with these believers as he was reconnecting with these believers through this letter. And these points we covered extensively last week. So I'll just hit them real quick this morning as we move into chapter three. But chapter three builds on the context at the end of chapter two. Paul told these believers they did not want to leave the Thessalonians. Paul said, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, but not in heart. Paul, Silas, and Timothy were taken away. They were separated from the believers in Thessalonica because of the persecution that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were facing in Thessalonica and because God had more ministry for Paul, Silas, and Timothy to do in other towns with other people. Paul told these believers they wanted to return to the Thessalonians. Paul said that we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So they love these believers, they miss these believers, and they long to return to the Thessalonian believers to see them face to face, to continue ministry with them. Paul also told these believers in this letter that they were hindered by Satan. In verse 18, Paul said, so we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Specifically, Satan hindered Paul which means impeded or cut off the way for Paul to make it back to Thessalonica in person. However, God did not uh, allow Paul's influence to end once they left Thessalonica. God continued to use Paul in amazing ways in the believers' lives in Thessalonica. And then we talked about how Paul looked with hope to the future in verses 19 and 20. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And we talked about how Paul here at the end of chapter two, and we said in each chapter, Paul focused on eternity. He focused on uh, the return of Jesus Christ. The theme of the series is stay ready. He focused on it here at the end of this chapter. As Paul looked to the coming of Jesus, as Paul looked to his eternity in heaven, Paul said, our hope, our joy, and our crown of rejoicing in the Lord is you, the believers in Thessalonica, because we know that you will be with us in heaven one day because of God's work in their lives, their salvation by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. And this filled Paul with faith in the present. John MacArthur, a prominent pastor and author, he said this, a great part of heaven's bliss for the redeemed, that's you and I in Christ Jesus, will be the joyful presence of those who they have been used to reach. You see, our hope of heaven should motivate and lead us to tell others about Jesus. It should motivate and lead us to help others come to know Jesus and grow in their faith in Jesus so they can help others come to know Jesus and grow in their faith in Jesus so they can help others come to know Jesus and grow in their faith in Jesus and so on and so on and so on. You see, we will have the blessing, one of the many blessings being in glory for eternity will be knowing and, and receiving the blessing and the joy of our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus there with us for all eternity. And so it motivates us 
to live out our faith in the present today because of the hope that we have in the future in Christ Jesus. And so this was the context that Paul now transitions and walks right into chapter 3, and he's continuing this conversation. We'll begin in chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Let's stop there, and we'll break this down piece by piece, word by word. Paul said, therefore, uh, therefore, pointed back to Paul's words at the end of chapter two, where Paul was saying that they greatly desired and made every effort to return to see these believers face to face. Paul, Silas, and Timothy longed to see these believers again. They were concerned about these believers. They loved these believers. Separation, the separation from these believers was especially hard on Paul. Paul had a pastor's heart. We see it throughout all of his writings to all the churches he planted. And he certainly had a pastor's heart that shines through here in this letter to the believers in Thessalonica. Paul said, therefore, when we, now we know based on our understanding of this word so far, we referred to Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, for context purposes, remember, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were mainly concerned about the persecution and opposition these believers were still dealing with in Thessalonica from the unbelieving Jews there in the town. And the Gentiles, obviously, who were uh, outside of the faith at that point. Paul Silas Timothy knew and understood if these unbelieving Jews ran us out of Thessalonica and then followed us to Berea and ran us out of Berea, then what would they be willing to do to these believers in the church in Thessalonica after we were separated from them? So there was great concern that Paul, Silas and Timothy, specifically Paul had for these believers. He said, therefore, we, when we could stand it no longer, therefore, we can no longer stand it. That means when Paul, Silas and Timothy could no longer take not knowing what was going on back in the church in Thessalonica. When the silence and the unknown of what was happening to these believers was too much for them to handle any longer, when they could not endure the silence any longer, he said, therefore, when we could no longer see in it, we thought it was better. That means that they thought it was better. We thought it was better means we considered it a good idea. We got together and we determined and resolved we all made the choice that we thought was best because we could no longer stand not knowing about what was going on back in Thessalonica. So we thought it was better. We got together, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and we considered the choice and we made a choice that we thought was the best choice at that time. And he said, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. They made the choice, but understand in reality, it was Paul who really made the choice to be left alone in Athens because they could no longer handle not knowing what was going on with his believers back in Thessalonica. So as they 
were together as they thought through things. They were in Athens. They were struggling. They couldn't handle not knowing what was going on because they had been torn away from them after about three weeks, a little bit longer than three weeks time with them. They knew they were dealing with persecution and opposition. They made the decision that they thought was best and that decision that they thought was best, specifically Paul thought was best, was for Paul to be left alone in Athens because he just couldn't take it any longer. He had to find some way to get back to Thessalonica to check on these believers. Left alone here means left behind. It means without friends. It literally means abandoned. So understand when we read, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. Understand that this left alone implies that Paul was lonely without his friends. Maybe even felt a little abandoned, left behind in Athens. And so he continues and says, when we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy. So when they thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, they, Paul said, and we sent Timothy. Paul used the plural pronoun we, but it's clear from scripture, especially in the book of Acts, that Paul was the one who sent Timothy back to Thessalonica, just as Paul was the one who sent Silas back to Macedonia. And so we know the plural pronoun we is there because Silas and Timothy agreed with Paul. They all agreed that this was the best idea, but Paul was certainly the one driving this idea. Sent here and we sent, Timothy, sent means dispatched. It means thrust out. It means to go with a purpose. So when Paul says to Timothy, could no longer take not knowing what was going on with the believers at Thessalonica, when the suspense was just getting to them and it was overwhelming to them and they couldn't handle it any longer, they made the decision, Paul specifically, Silas and Timothy agreed, and Paul sent, they sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the believers of Thessalonica and to minister to the believers in Thessalonica. Real quick summary, uh, back to the first week when we uh, laid the groundwork for this series, real quick summary of the background of what's going on here uh, in Thessalonica, especially after they left Thessalonica. Paul, as you remember, Paul, Silas, and Timothy came to Thessalonica. They ministered there for three weeks, a little bit longer than three weeks, and then they were run out of town uh, by the mob of folks. They were separated. They were taken away, and they went on from Thessalonica to Berea. When they got to Berea, Paul, Silas, and Timothy began ministering there, and believe it or not, the same mob, the same group of unbelieving Jews that were in Thessalonica followed them to Berea, and they stirred up trouble for them in Berea, just as they had done in Thessalonica, and Paul continued moving and he continued traveling. He left Berea and he continued on to Athens. Silas and Timothy stayed behind in Berea 
for a short period of time. But when Paul got to Athens and he realized he needed help, he sent word back to Silas and Timothy for them to come and meet him in Berea. And so Silas and Timothy then made their way to, to uh, Athens. And so when Silas and Timothy got to Athens with Paul, Paul got together and said, okay, we can't, we got to do something. We can't take this any longer. And so it was there from Athens where Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check on the believers there. And Paul sent Silas back up to Macedonia, most likely to Philippi to check on the believers there. This all happened from Athens. And so we see Paul then in Athens was left alone. And we'll talk more about this uh, in the weeks to come as Paul continues sharing about this in chapter three. And so we see that Paul said, and we sent Timothy, our brother. This is significant, our brother. Timothy was Paul's disciple, his son in the faith. And yet Paul referred to him as our brother, which indicated that obviously Timothy was a fellow believer in Christ Jesus. He was their brother by God's grace through his faith in Christ Jesus. You see, the believers in Thessalonica, they knew of the unique special relationship that Paul and Timothy enjoyed together as discipler and disciple Timothy being Paul's son in the faith. So they received and responded well to Timothy when he came to them in Thessalonica by himself. They did not boo Timothy or start a chant, we want Paul, we want Paul, when Timothy made it to Thessalonica. They didn't do that. When Timothy made it, he was by himself. They were great. They received him. They responded well to him. They understood he was part of Paul's ministry team. And so Timothy made it there, our brother. But Paul continues, not only that, Paul said he's our brother and God's coworker. Timothy was God's coworker. That means Timothy worked with God and for God. Timothy ministered to and served others with God and for God. The truth of this title for Timothy, God's coworker, gave him confidence as he was sent out by Paul to the believers in Thessalonica. It gave him great confidence to know as he went to minister that he was not only a brother in Christ Jesus, but he was God's co-worker. As followers of Jesus, we are God's co-workers by our faith in Jesus. We're God's co-workers. I don't know about you, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure if I've ever been called God's co-worker, but that's who we are. That means we work with God and we work for God as children of God. We minister to and serve others with God and for God. And the truth of this title for you and me gives us confidence. It should give us confidence and great joy as we are sent out by God day by day to minister to the congregations that God's placed around us. And so as we go about our daily lives, we have congregations that God's placed around us. We talk about this all the time, that God minister uses us to minister to. So as we go later this afternoon, as we go this evening to our congregations, as we go this week to our congregations, understand and realize as you go, you're God's coworker. 
You're going by God, with God, for God, as a child of God. To do his work in his strength for his glory. That's awesome. Listen, that should fire us up even more to be about the Lord's business. That's why Paul was always so fired up. No matter what was going on, he knew that he knew that he knew that he was God's co-worker in Christ Jesus. This is great news for us today that we are God's co-worker. Tell your neighbor, I'm God's co-worker. Go. All right. I'm still trying to figure you out this morning. All right. All right. We're going to get fired up here. The, lit, the, the fire is going to light here at some point. I'm, I know it's going to happen. I'm, I'm trusting the Lord. It's going to happen. All right. We know. Timothy was God's co-worker. Co-worker. And look what he said. He said, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Now, this is really amazing. In the gospel of Christ. Paul used this phrase, in the gospel of Christ, eight times throughout the New Testament. If you focus just in on 1 Thessalonians, Paul used the phrase the gospel of God, and we've already covered this, three times in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul used the phrase the gospel of Christ here in chapter 3. So as the way to help us understand and know the way the gospel of God comes to us is through the gospel of Christ. Follow me now. Gospel means what? It means good news. It means good news. Leon, the good news. So the gospel of God, the good news of God comes to you and me through the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus. That's what he's telling them. He's letting them know that we receive forgiveness of sins and we enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. The good news of God is received by us through the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day victorious over sin and death for you and me. He is alive and he wants a relationship with us and he is the only way for us to enter into a relationship with God. So we know and understand that this gospel of God and this gospel of Christ Jesus, there's no greater calling to be God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. That's what you and I are. We are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're God's co-workers in the gospel of Christ, which is just awesome for you and for me. So we see here Paul was focused on doing God's work among God's people and God's strength for God's glory. And as God's co-workers, God wants us to be focused on doing God's work among God's people for, in God's strength for God's glory. Just like Paul. He continued then, and he said, God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Strengthen means to stand firm, to stabilize and solidify. It means to support someone or something. So Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica so that he could support the believers in their faith, so that he could help them stand firm in their faith in Jesus by reminding them the gospel is true, by reminding them that God was at work in them, by reminding them that God was more than enough for them. And encourage. Encourage means to come alongside someone to cheer them on in their faith in Christ Jesus. It also means to come alongside someone to comfort them in their times of need. So 
Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to check on those believers, and he was to go back there, and he was to strengthen them. He was to support them by reminding them of the gospel message, by reminding them of the truth of God's word, by reminding them the gospel was true. And then as he was strengthening them, he was also called to come alongside them, to put his arm around them, and to cheer them on in Christ Jesus, to cheer them on in living out the truth that he was pouring into them. And he was also sent to comfort them in their times of suffering and need due to the fact that they were dealing with persecution and opposition for their faith in Christ Jesus. Like Timothy, we are called today to strengthen, encourage one another concerning our faith. You and I, as God's co-workers, we are called to strengthen one another and to encourage one another concerning our faith in Christ Jesus. We do this by praying with one another and for one another. We do this by reading God's word, by teaching God's word, by obeying God's word, by modeling God's word, by ministering to one another, by meeting one another's needs, by caring for one another, by comforting one another, by cheering one another on in Christ Jesus as we follow Jesus by our faith in Jesus. You see, we are called as God's co-workers. It's so important for us to understand this. We are called as God's co-workers to remind one another that no matter who or what comes against us, God is greater. Amen? And we're reminded as followers of Jesus Christ, God's co-workers, we're called to remind one another that no matter what the world offers to us, Jesus is better. Amen? God is greater. Jesus is better. And so we stay focused on this day by day in our ministry, not only in the, for the gospel of Christ to help folks come to know Jesus, but also in helping one another to grow in our faith and trust in Jesus, strengthening and encouraging one another concerning the faith. And then he continued in verse three and verse four. He says, so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this in fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened. So here we find more information out. Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica to strengthen and encourage them concerning their faith. And he also sent them to make sure that he did not want, Paul did not want even one. Paul said, so that not one. That means so that no, not one, not even one. He said, Paul wanted to make sure that not even one believer in Thessalonica, not even one follower of Jesus Christ in Thessalonica was turned away from God, from their faith in God due to the afflictions that they were facing for their faith in Jesus. So Timothy was going to Thessalonica and he wanted to strengthen him, he wanted to encourage him, and he was watching to make sure that not even one believer that was part of that church had been so burdened, had been so discouraged, had been so defeated by all the afflictions, the persecution, the challenges, the opposition that they were facing for their faith in Jesus, that they turned away and gave up on God and just walked away. He was there to watch and to make sure. And what does... What, what does Paul do here in this, in verses three and four? Paul reminded them of how they told them while they were with them that afflictions were gone the way. The afflictions would come to them as followers of Jesus Christ, and they did. They did. Paul was letting them know, listen, 
We are not like the false teachers. We we were not like that among you. We were honest with you. We told you when we were with you, as a follower of Christ Jesus, you're going to face trials, opposition, testing, and times of suffering. So we told you. We reminded you. And in fact, as you see, it's happened. Not just for us, Paul, Silas, Timothy, but also for them. So Paul's reminding them, hey, we were honest with you guys. We didn't set you guys up with some false gospel, some false teaching to make you think that everything was going to turn out well and everything would work out for you just the way you wanted it, when you wanted it, you'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and no issues or problems would ever come your way. Paul said, no, it's going to turn out well for you because we're going to spend eternity in glory. But there's going to be some challenges, some pain, some difficulties, some trials on our way there. And the good news for you and I this morning is the same is true for us. God is honest with us in his word about the reality of trials, persecution, opposition, and times of suffering that will come to us as followers of Jesus. He's honest with us. He wants us to know this. It's the truth. If it happened to Jesus, if it happened to the prophets, if it happened to the disciples, going to happen to us. But we understand and realize that, you see, God uses our trials to grow us in our faith in Jesus. Satan uses our trials to try to slow us in our faith in Jesus. So we can rejoice even in our trials because we know God is with us. God is at work in us, through us, around us, and God's got what's best for us. Even in that trial, that suffering, that difficulty. And that's, Timothy was going with eyes to look. He was going with eyes to make sure it's a beautiful reference to remembering that the shepherd has got 100 sheep and one strays. What does the shepherd do? He stays with the 99 and says, ah, too bad for you. Wish you would have stayed with us. I told you you should have stayed with us. It's not going to go too well for you, buddy. And he goes on with the 99. No, he leaves the 99. He goes and gets that one. Brings him back. Paul was saying, hey, we're shepherds of this body. Tim, when I, get, when I send you there, man, I want you to look. I don't even want one. I don't even want one to get away. So when you're strengthening, you're encouraging, you also need to be looking and observing, which is a testimony for us as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, the truth is we need to be strengthened and encouraging. And we'll talk about this in a minute. One another, we also need to be looking out for one another, right? Because if one starts to stray, Hey, we leave the 99 and we go get that one. We bring him back. In Jesus' name, he continues in verse 5. I love this. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it again, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. So Paul here says as well, hey, we sent Timothy to you in Thessalonica because we were concerned that the tempter Satan had successfully tempted you to turn away from God because of the afflictions that were coming against you for your faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, if Satan had succeeded in tempting even one to turn away from their faith in God, then his Silas and Timothy's ministry in Thessalonica would have been for nothing. It would have been in vain. It would have been fruitless. Spoiler alert. Close your ears if you don't want to hear it. Satan did not succeed in his plan. He did not succeed. And so we see this here in this amazing passage. So 
What does God want us to take away today? What the points here that we need to take and we can apply in our lives as ministers of the congregations that God's given to us? What is God wanting us to receive personally so that we can show and share it publicly? Well, let me just give you a few points as we look at this passage, application points from the truth that we've looked at in these five verses. Number one, uh, we must sacrificially love one another. We must sacrificially love one another. Notice Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Paul thought it was better to be left alone than to continue worrying about what was going on with the believers in Thessalonica. Paul thought it was better to be left alone in Athens than to worry about what was going on with those believers in Thessalonica. Paul sacrificed the blessings, encouragement, and love he received from Timothy for the good of the believers in Thessalonica. Paul took the initiative in loving the believers in Thessalonica sacrificially. Paul took the initiative in sending Timothy to the believers in Thessalonica. Paul did not receive a letter, an email, or a text, or a phone call from the believers in Thessalonica saying, Hey, send Tim to us. He took the initiative. He could no longer stand it. They could no longer stand it. And so he put their needs before his needs. He put their interests before his interests. Here in this passage, we see that Paul imitated the love that God has for us. God's agape love for you and me is sacrificial. It's selfless. It's unconditional. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins. He took the initiative. He went first for you and for me. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send, say that with me, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him into the world to save the world through him. And so we know and understand already from our knowledge of chapter two, love acts. And we talked about that several weeks back. Love acts. What does that mean? It means this, God wants us to take the initiative with one another in sacrificially loving one another. God wants us to put one another's needs before our needs. God wants us to put one another's interests before our interests. God wants us to take the initiative to go first with one another. God wants us to bless one another. God wants us to check in on one another. God wants us to encourage one another. God wants us to forgive one another. God wants us to help one another. God wants us to love Love one another. God wants us to minister to one another. God wants us to sacrificially love one another as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And as we sacrificially love one another, we are reminded, as John told us, we love because God first loved us. It is an act of worship for you and for me after receiving the amazing love that God has for us in Christ Jesus to sacrificially love one another. What a joy, what a privilege it is to go first in sacrificing ourselves for one another. Beginning in our own homes with our husbands, our wives, our children, and expanding out from there to the nations. That's what it's about. That's what Paul was saying. We couldn't stand it any longer. And so there was no cost too much for us to pay. We couldn't stand it any longer. 
There was nothing we wouldn't do. We couldn't stand it any longer. There was no sacrifice too great for us to make. Why was Paul focused in on living in that way? Because he had the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with something, with God something to be grasped. But Jesus himself became a man. He left heaven, came to earth to rescue us from our sins. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross for you and me. Paul knew this. And so Paul said, hey, listen, it doesn't matter. If I got to be left alone in Athens, I'll be left alone. Probably not going to enjoy it too much, but it's all right because we'll get to these believers. So we see God, God wants us to sacrificially love one another. Secondly, we must be students of God's word. Paul warned, get this now, Paul warned that the believers in Thessalonica that afflictions were coming their way when they were with them for those short period of time, for those three weeks of ministry there. He warned them then that afflictions and trials and tests and sufferings were going to come their way. Why? So that they would not be surprised, so that they would not be turned off, so that they would not give up when those times came their way, but instead that they would understand and realize there's a purpose in those times. You see, the believers in Thessalonica knew God's truth and they stood firm in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. They stood firm. And their faith. We'll learn about this in a couple weeks because Paul shares about this in the passage in chapter 3. They stood firm in their faith in Christ Jesus. We must read and study and obey God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit of God in us. And as we do, then we will be prepared and ready to engage in the daily battle of spiritual warfare in victory, not in defeat as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, as we read, study, and obey God's word, we're prepared, we're ready, and we know that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We know we're not supposed to be surprised at the painful trial we're suffering as though something strange were happening to us. As we read, study, and obey the word of God, we're prepared to consider it all joy whenever we face trials of many kinds because we know the testing of our faith develops perseverance and endurance. And perseverance and endurance must finish its complete work in us so that we will be mature and complete, lacking nothing that God wants us to do and all that he calls us to do. You see, we will know that it is God who is at work in us to willing to act according to his good purpose. We will be confident of this, that the same one who called us to his faith through faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be the same one who carries on that work of salvation in us until the day of Christ Jesus. When we read, study, and obey God's word, we'll know that our God comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we can comfort one another with the comfort we've received from God in their times of affliction. You see, when we read, study, and obey God's word, we know we're prepared, we're ready to know that greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against our enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. We know that our enemy is the father of lies. He has no truth in him. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yet we are victorious over him by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We will know that we're able to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We can put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against our enemy's tactics and schemes designed to destroy us because almighty God is greater and we know that if God is for us who can be against us amen there's the fire amen there it is yes you see we we there you go go God go amen to that 
We must be students of God's Word because the more we are students of the Word of God, the more prepared we are to walk in our victory in Christ Jesus. You see, we cannot share what we do not know. We cannot apply in our lives what we do not know. We must be students of God's word. It's all through this passage. And then Paul encouraged us to embrace ministry. Embrace ministry. We need to embrace ministry. We need to look for and take advantage of opportunities that God gives to us to strengthen and encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. You see, it's vitally important for us to minister to one another in Jesus' name. Ministering to one another helps us to stay connected to God because it's God's desire for you and me. Ministering to one another helps us to stay connected to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus because whether we realize it or not, like to admit it or not, talk about it a lot or not, we need one another. We need one another. You see, remember, Satan's plan is isolation. His plan is isolation, to isolate us so that he can ultimately destroy us. God's plan is intimacy, intimacy with us. God's plan is face-to-face. And we enjoy intimacy with our awesome God by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We enjoy intimacy with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ through our faith in Christ Jesus. So let's not grow weary and let's not get tired of doing good to one another. Instead, let's continue to minister to one another and let's minister with one another in the name of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Amen and amen. Let's bow in prayer. Let's get to it. Bye.